News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. First, we're starting with the health service because, Shane, you and I were chatting in the last hour about the future of it, the HSC, Slauncher Care and the rest. And saying about Slauncher Care is this amazing thing that everyone agrees on. No one's going to disagree that everyone should get health care based on their need, not by how much they pay. But the things we have to do to get there involve very unpopular decisions, which, you know, it, we would have six regional authorities. So we would be streamlining all the CHOs and the hospital groups and the NGOs. So... Are we willing to buy into that and not be doing things like protesting against the closure of EDs in regional hospitals? Uh, the answer to that, I suspect, is no. I, I find what's happening at Navin uh, Hospital particularly depressing, uh, I, I have to say at the moment, because like the staff of the hospital could not be clearer about this. We had Jerry McEntee, the clinical director of the hospital, basically yesterday on the, on the show, saying it is absolutely not safe as it currently stands. There's a risk to patients who are critically ill. And he says nurses, physicians, surgeons, anaesthetists, junior doctors, they're all saying it's not safe. Yet what's every politician in Mead saying? We can't close this. Like that is, to me, that is political cowardice. It's hugely irresponsible. And if we can't make a decision, like every expert report says we have too many emergency departments. There's not enough expertise in each of those emergency departments. You need throughput of patients. You need to have centres of excellence. If you can't do that... What hope is there? Like, there's a report today in the paper um, called to base cardiac care in four centres. Like, I imagine, I'm guessing, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm guessing there's going to be huge resistance to that as well. It seems to me that politicians, their argument is it's better to have a bad emergency uh, emergency care in your county than a, a good one slightly further away. You see, you're saying the politicians need to have backbone and I'm thinking people, there's this sort of reverse nimbyism going on here where it's like you cannot close my local hospital's ED or downgrade it in any way. And that is, people have to understand that if we want this great system where everyone has equal access to it, it involves those decisions and politicians will do what people want. Yeah, but what about leadership and showing leadership? Yeah, but they know it's it's politically toxic. They yeah. won't get elected. Well, I, and elected. I know, and there's the example of Frankie Frank Feehan, uh, who was the one uh, Ross Common TD who voted for the closure of the emergency department. He got eviscerated, there lost the seat next time around, got abused in the streets. It was it was nasty. It was, was horrible. So it's maybe it's understandable, but like I mean, uh, like Sinn Fein, for example, playing politics with this. Now they're not alone. There's a government minister uh, in the constituency, Helen McEntee, who's who's opposed to it as well. I just find there's a lack of political leadership. And I think that we could be doing more because we can tell politicians what to do. And we're asking, are are we willing to make the necessary changes to ensure we have a 21st century health system? Are you willing to buy into these proposed changes? Text us 53106 at a cost of 30 cent or tweet us at NT Breakfast. Okay, we're joined now by the Minister for Foreign Affairs, uh, Simon Covey. Uh, Minister, we we want obviously to talk about the Northern Ireland Protocol. Uh, Just before we do, your thoughts on, on, I don't know if you were listening to that discussion we were having, Uh, your thoughts on, uh, the, I suppose, the, the current standoff in relation to uh, Navin Hospital, but also the reports today about about four principal cardiology centres in Dublin, Cork and Galway, uh, supported by a network of, uh, of ho- satellite hospitals to be recommended in a review of cardiac services. Like, I'm wondering, is there going to be any political appetite t- to do that, given what's happening in Navin? Well, I mean, I think the, <clears throat> the challenge for politicians, of course, is to is to follow expert advice, but to bring people with us. Uh, and often it's difficult to do both of those things, but there's an obligation on us 
to try to do that. And I mean, if we're going to deliver slauncher care, uh, if we're going to deliver and modernize healthcare across the country, well, then we need to be listening to people like Jerry McEntee and others um, working in the hospital system. Um, but we've also got to work harder to, to bring the public with us because um, the sense of loss for a local community, uh, if an element of their local hospital is closing, is significant. I mean, I remember campaigning with Frankie Fian um, uh, after he took a very responsible decision in relation to Roscommon Hospital to support the advice of experts. Uh, and he got, as you said, attacked politically locally. Um, he lost his seat on the back of it. And now look at Roscommon Hospital stronger than ever, dealing with more patients than ever. Um, the, the decision for reform and change there was the right one. But he got no thanks for it. Um, um, hopefully he will in time. But, but, but that is the dilemma often for politicians, to try to, to be a voice for the people, because that's who we are. We're public servants. Um, but at the same time, to be able to work with health experts to persuade local people that actually reform is the right uh, choice in terms of providing health care both locally and, and regionally. Mm. But getting those two things uh, in line with each other often is very, very difficult if there's a local campaign that's whipped up, that people are, um, and I mean, they are genuine concerns. If you look at Navin, for example, at the moment, the concerns, I think, from uh, the public locally are very, very real. Um, and um, ministers and politicians need to respond to that. Um, but I think um, this is also about better communication, I think, in terms of how we progress plans to reassure people that if there is going to be reconfiguration, if there's going to be change, it's about improving services, not downgrading local services. Okay. As far as you're concerned, you, you agree with Jerry McEntee that if, if it isn't well, safe... No, well, I mean, I agree with the principle of listening to senior doctors and, and, and health officials. <laughs> Do you agree with the um, practice think, of it, though? But I, well, I mean... <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, is that not a bit Jesuitical, Minister? I agree with the principle of it. I mean, like, it's, well, if no, you agree I mean, with the I mean, principle, I mean, you have to agree with the practice. Well, look, I mean, I am, I'm not familiar enough with, with Navin Hospital to be able to give a definitive decision on that. All I'm saying is that the challenge for politicians, both locally and nationally, is if we don't bring people with us, um, uh, we end up but, but, in but, but, but long respect, and minister, with respect, minister, the politicians yeah. in Mead and beyond are following the people on this. They're not bringing anyone with them. They're following the people. Well, I think you need to do both. You need to listen to people as well, Shane. Okay. You can't just lecture them from, from a national radio station and expect them to accept it. You've got to convince I, I'm people. I'm not lecturing anyone. I'm, I'm, quoting, I'm quoting the experts in the hospital who say this hospital isn't safe. I mean, for me, that's an open and shut yeah, case. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm taking that seriously. And I'm saying that we need to listen to those people. Okay. But we've also got to listen to the public who are in and out getting services every day for themselves and their children and families and so on. Okay. And, and we need to, uh, to find a way of uh, encouraging people to accept change that they, at the moment, think is a downgrading, but actually um, I, I will improve um, regional healthcare provision. Um, All right. But that's, okay. that's a, I mean, that's a challenge. For it is, it is absolutely, look, I, I accept it is, it's a huge challenge. And, and, and I think the Frankie Feehan example is, is a difficult one, a difficult precinct for all uh, politicians because he was very unfairly treated. Um, let's talk about the, the Northern Ireland Protocol. The bill passed the first hurdle in, in Parliament. Uh, your reaction to that? Uh, look, I mean, this is hugely disappointing. You know, this is effectively the British government talking to themselves uh, again on Brexit, uh, ignoring uh, friends and neighbours who are appealing to them not to take this course of action. You know, but basically every capital across the EU is saying to the British government, 
don't act unilaterally on this, don't break international law, you're going to force the EU into responding in a way that we don't want to have to respond. Um, the EU institutions are saying the same, Washington is saying the same, the Irish government is saying the same, political parties in Northern Ireland are saying, are saying the same, business leaders in Northern Ireland are also saying the same. I mean, this is the British government ignoring the majority of people in Northern Ireland. Only yesterday we got confirmation in, in the latest opinion poll that 74% of people in Northern Ireland want the protocol issues resolved through negotiation between the British government and the EU to settle these issues uh, in a way that guarantees stability and certainty for the future. Yet the British government ignores Northern Ireland in terms of its majority and presses ahead anyway. Um, you know, if you look at the people who refused to support this legislation yesterday, and if you look at who they are within the Conservative Party, Theresa May, the former Prime Minister, you know, effectively said you know, that she has three tests for this legislation. Is it legal? Uh, will it achieve its aims? Uh, and will it maintain the standing of the UK internationally? Mm. And she said very firmly to all three of those questions, the answer is clearly no. And she's right, of course. Uh, if you look at uh, others, Julian Smith refused to support this legislation. He's a former um, uh, Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, who I worked very, very closely with, cares deeply about Northern Ireland and can see that this is going to cause an awful lot more problems than it solves. Simon Hoare, the chair of the Northern Ireland Committee, an extremely balanced individual um, uh, and, you know, high standing in the Conservative Party, couldn't support this legislation. So, you know, even though a majority uh, supported this, because the Conservatives have a huge majority in Westminster uh, at second stage, you know, I think uh, this is a deeply uh, worrying um, political strategy for the oh, okay. um, uh, for for the prime minister and uh, and, and look, the foreign I, secretary. I suspect you are um, preaching to the converted uh, with with our audience here. I think most people um, on this. Uh, side of the border would agree with what you're saying. There are people on the other side of the border, and I accept the point you're making about the majority saying there should be a, a negotiated, a, negotia a negotiated settlement to this. But we we've had members of the DUP on. They say you're tone deaf to their concerns. But, well, first of all, there's nobody looking for for compromise from the European Commission more than I have to try to respond to the concerns within the DUP and within the unionist community more broadly. Um, uh, and we have seen a willingness to, nego uh, to both negotiate and compromise from Mara Sefcovic, who's the EU negotiator. Last October, he published a paper that could reduce by 80% sanitary and phytosanitary checks on goods coming into Northern Ireland from Great Britain uh, that are staying in Northern Ireland. And he said he can go further. Mm. So, you know, th this idea that we're not listening to unionist concerns is just not true. We are. I mean, maybe some people don't want to hear that. Okay. But, what happens but, but next? We are. What happens the European next, Union Minister? is, uh, and the Irish government is, of course we want to respond to what are real concerns from a minority of people in Northern Ireland who want to see the protocol uh, implemented in a very different way. Some of them want to see the protocol gone altogether. The problem is, if, if the protocol doesn't exist, the problems that it was designed to solve re-emerge again as problems. And that is, of course, why... Um, the Irish government is so concerned in terms of this course because the British government is stating as if it's fact because it's stated on the floor of the House of Commons that this legislation will protect the integrity of the EU single market. I'm sorry, but the British government doesn't get to say that yeah, no, um, no, no, okay, without, without consulting uh, with the EU. I, I, so, I, I, so, 
Minister, I'm just looking at, at headlines here that um, uh, Nicola Sturgeon is is going to announce her plans on the, on the Scottish referendum uh, late later today, which no doubt will um, will only uh, add fuel to this debate. W- what do you expect to, hap- to happen next? Well, look, I mean, on the protocol, we, we're not surprised that this legislation passed second stage um, because of the size of the... Uh, uh, of the majority that, that the British government has in the House of Commons. I think uh, this legislation will find it more difficult to get through uh, the House of Lords uh, when it gets there, if it gets there. Um, so, look, I think the, um, the timelines in terms of the passage uh, of this bill uh, will, will be lengthy. It, it, it'll be months, not weeks. Uh, and again, what, what, what we will be appealing to the British government to be doing in that time is to return to honest negotiation. Uh, to actually try to get a middle ground position that both sides can agree to through negotiation as opposed to unilaterally breaching international law, which is what mm. they're doing. Okay. Um, and in my view, if they do that, there is a landing zone here that I think most unionists may be able to accept, certainly we could accept, which is to make a clear distinction between goods that are staying in Northern Ireland and therefore, from their perspective, staying in the United Kingdom, uh, coming from GB into Northern Ireland and goods that are at risk of travelling on into the EU single market proper, and to significantly reduce the checks burden on goods that are staying in Northern Ireland. We can do that together through negotiation, which is what unionists have been asking for for months now, All came in if, if the British government shows a willingness to negotiate. But unfortunately, they haven't shown that willingness. There's been no negotiation from the British side since the 11th of February, All right. despite Min- the fact that they say negotiations uh, aren't oh, delivering results. Minister so, for, you know, sorry, yeah, Minister for Foreign Affairs, sorry to cut across you, S. Simon Coveney. Thank you indeed for talking to News Talk Breakfast this morning. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.